Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are. Welcome back to another episode. And my goodness me, what a crazy week of fantasy footy we have been through. And what is still to come? The good news, the multi-buy rounds are gone. It is no longer best 18. It is now survival of the fittest for the final few months of the year. The problem is we probably would all have preferred another week of best 18 given the potential challenges that coaches are finding themselves this week. We're going to talk through that. We're going to talk through all of the teams that are off their buy rounds and which are the players we should be targeting. And of course, got to get to our Patreon questions. If you want to become a Patreon, all the details for that at coachespanel.tv. Look, it's been a hot minute since we've had him on the podcast. We had to get him back to talk about some of the big issues facing coaches this week. Long-time coaches panel members know who I'm talking about. Jordox is back. Hello, buddy. How are you? I'm very well, MJ. Good to be back on. Uh, And what a week to be on to discuss the never-ending merry-go-round that is our ruck lines this year. Let's be honest. You're right. I think everybody heading into round one with whatever variation of rucks they had heading into round one felt very confident that their approach was the right approach. Set and forget. One premium and a value. Two value options. I think everybody entering into round one thought, I'm on the money. 14 rounds later, everyone's gone, I have burnt at least three to seven trades on this freaking line and are now thinking of petitioning the formats to go, can we just do 20 and don't worry about the rucks? Can we go like, not to bring up a sore point, Richmond's relief ruck in 2017, you don't need a second ruckman kind of thing. Can we just get rid of that line is I think what some people are considering. But the big challenge I, I think we've got to talk about, Jordox, is Tim English out with concussion for the second time this year. Um, his 12th day protocol uh, as per the AFL guidelines officially does mean he can play next week but because it's not his first concussion this year the club may choose to be conservative Braden Pruce yep the person we've spoken about most on the podcast in 2022 gets another mention <laughs> not just because he created the concussion but he's also out uh, with a suspension public enemy, and- public enemy number one MJ. absolutely <laughs> he is chances are he probably would have missed with that ankle injury had he not got suspended, but he is out. Bryn Teekle, uh looked very promising for coaches for a quarter and a bit before he's now out for pretty much the majority of the home and away season and for fantasy coaches. That is the year. And so I don't know many coaches that are, are looking at their ruck division this week and are staring down either a donut or creatively looking at trades of how they work their way. Jordox, is, is this just in your eyes, is it as simple as format to format dependent on what coaches should do? Or is there some more broad advice you think that could help the community? Yeah, no, I think it's it's specific to your team and, and how you've set up and and what the rest of your team looks like. Um, you know, coming out of the buys, the plan is always to have, uh, you know, a, a completed side, almost completed side. Certainly this year, we're going to be closer to completing our sides because of the the extra trades and the increased salary caps that we had. Um, so that there's some of the, the obvious variables. Um, and then I guess 
how many of these uh, bullets have you copped? If it's just the one, it's obviously a, a much simpler proposition, but then it becomes down to, if you've got more than one, it becomes a, a case of who's out for longest, but who's uh, the more important person to your team. So there are some who would have held Gorn last week thinking, you know, what else could go wrong? I'll, I'll hold my, um, I'll hold on to that for a few weeks and then bang, Cruz is gone, English is gone. And, and, and you touched on it before, the 12-day the protocol for English, um, that doesn't help us one iota because he can play next week. Um, but as you said, he had a really nasty concussion last year where he was out for a month. So they may err on the side of caution and wait yeah. two weeks. And those who had English earlier in the year, who've already owned him this year, remember when he was out with um, illness, which turned into, um, you know, a month quite a long off, basically. from the game. So, yeah, there's, um, there's some headaches, but there's always ways around them. I think that's the optimistic way we've got to approach things. Uh, other coaches may have a further compounded issue with Zach Butters also missing this game and the club alluding, and Zach himself on SEN in South Australia, alluding to the fact that, I've had this injury before, albeit on a different knee, and I was back within a week. And so coaches now have this challenge where, and we talk about this every year, the depth of your squad becomes valuable. How important versatility is in your squad in terms of dual position players and the ability to be flexible and kind of avoid having to make a trade because you can kind of scrape a 50 from a cow off the bench somehow. And then it does come down to this question. It's more dream team and super coach relevant, but there's some there's some you know evidence that it's worth for AFL fantasy coaches. What's the value of a trade? We've got probably most coaches in limited trades formats. After trades this week, minimum no more than ten. Minimum no more than ten. Um, in AFL fantasy, what you got two trades a week now, every single week to to look to get your team to as finalised as possible. And to your point too. A combination of an increased salary cap, some stepping stones holding and becoming premiums, uh, and a little bit of luck going our way with some discounted premiums and and returning from injury guys doing well has has kind of served us well. I think the key bit of advice I'd give coaches, I'm I'm key if there's anything you want to kind of add to this, Jordox, for me would be always when it comes to the value of trades that you make, let's specifically focus on limited trade formats. It comes to... How valuable is this one or two trades you're about to make? How many more will that leave you with? What is left to be done in your team to get it to a, quote, finished state? And then as we have seen, injuries happen. Teams will put sore players as we get closer and closer to a clearer finals picture. The teams that are out of contention will put these players that are playing sore out to pasture. Teams will start making structural changes and experimental moves. It's how we get the flying home to goey of last year. Teams will start moving players around. So these are some things. So for me, I think that comes the great advice I could give coaches that are going, oh, if I trade English, I could do that and I could get butters and I could move that and I could bench proofs and I could do... For me, it's always with the moves you make, are you just addressing a one-week problem or are you actually making your team better for the long term? Because if you're just trying to avoid one donor for one week, 
I believe if you're going to cop a donut, cop a rookie-flavoured one. Cop the missing the Jeffrey. Cop the missing the Teakle. Cop the missing the Owens, potentially. Cop the missing, you know, maybe you're rolling a Skinner or a Baldwin or whoever it is that just hasn't come back. For me, I'd like cop the one-week hit if you need to because you'll make up that 100 points with a trade in a week or in two weeks' time. Now, for some, they're like, nah, I'm I'm going for it. I'm in contention. I'm going for it. Totally okay. But for me, I think that's the question coaches have to look at themselves is the uniqueness of their team, the uniqueness of the focus they're going for, leagues or rankings, what trades they have left to have make, how many are in the bank that they're happy to sit with, and then from there, that should help inform some level of decision-making about whether they're pulling the trigger or whether they need to stick fat and maybe just cop one big donut. Yeah, that's uh, very, very logical and a very good advice. And the other thing you can do with the ruck line, it's a bit late in the year for this, but you you probably can have some fun with it. There are guys that can give you a a nice score for a few weeks, um, particularly if you're playing um, AFL Fantasy. the, the one thing I'll add to all that, because I, I, I was looking at this before the podcast, a, a list of names of the mm. pros and cons. And, and what I landed on was the most important thing, in, in my opinion, would be if you're going to have a, a go at a risky, cheaper guy um, mm-hmm. that you just want to have a bit of a look at, um, I think it's crucial that they have dual position status so that you can flick them to another line next week if, if you're bringing a Gorn back or you're then fielding Proust if he comes back or, or whatever it is. Um, so there's some there's some really uh, cheap guys to have a look at that, you mm-hmm. know, probably not at this time of year, but if you do, um, DPP status is important. And Todd Goldstein's one in Supercoach that yeah, you know, stands, stands out. out as an option um, that isn't there. And um, even just, a, well, you'll probably know by the time listening to this, when teams are out, but there was a bit of talk at Port Adelaide about uh, Vicentini. Um, now, it's probably quite unlikely he would be named, um, but if he is, he does have dual position status as a forward as well. Yeah, there's plenty of options. I, I like that idea that in the limited trade formats, if you're trading into a ruck this week, with trades starting to dry up, you're wanting to make moves that you hope to be semi-permanent in your teams. Now, whether or not, you know, you mentioned um, Todd Goldstein in Supercoach. Ever since Cherry went down in Supercoach, he's averaged 111. And since Cherry's got back into the team, he's held that number one status and is currently going at 103. Well, as as a ruck forward, to have your F6 go 103 in Supercoach, perfectly fine. Now, that's on the assumption he holds the number one mantle and they don't resort back to the early season form of Cherry leading. But if that's the logic, it's sound, it makes sense, it holds. I agree. I think in Dream Team and Supercoach, if you're making trades in your ruck division, you're looking to something that's pretty permanent, which means you might be farewelling Gorn as a trade target, genuinely might be looking going and going against him for the end of the year because you probably won't have the luxury to trade back into him at least until the final few weeks of the year. So I'm with you. I think if you're making a trade, that DPP is so helpful. But definitely, you want those limited trades to really count. In AFL fantasy, for me, it's about maximizing points on field, really, isn't it, Jordox? At this point in time of the year, they're really popular guys the, um, that we've alluded to in the ruck, let alone the butters or other premiums that we may miss at times. 
you're just trying to get the best available points on field. That that really is what it comes down to. And maybe a one or two week play can can suffice if you work it well. So in that category, uh, we have someone who's cheap. We yep. have a DPP, uh, and we have the guy that is going to be leading the ruck charge for the demons um, tonight. <laughs> so it is uh, pretty uh, pretty important that we discuss Luke Jackson. Um, I'm intrigued at your take on him because yeah, he's been painted as, and probably rightfully so, to be fair, in terms of we need value, we need DPP, and we need a number one ruck. It's like tick, tick, tick all the boxes for us. But I'm keen on your take because I looked at him as we look, we'll talk about some teams coming off the buy in a sec. But for me, I look at him and I go, okay, well, let's see what he's been doing. He's had just one ton across the formats in the past eight weeks. And in the past four weeks, just one score over 80. However, what we saw with Darcy Cameron is when you pick up that extra center bounce attendances, it's a fair assumption to believe that we'll see some level of scoring boost as the outcome. I think the challenge for me that, you know, I'd kind of flag on coaches who are thinking, oh, I'm about to get a 90, 9,500 guy at a, a bargain price is he comes up Thursday evening against, at least on current trend, probably the most restrictive Ruckman to score against in Oscar McInerney. And then if you kind of turn over the next couple of weeks, it's Riley O'Brien. So, Yep, he, he should beat Riley at the contest, but Riley's strength is his aerobic endurance to get around the ground, certainly not a, a pure tap ruckman. And then the week after that, it's it's the interesting Geelong combo of fantasy rucks in, in terms of the amount of merry-go-round that's there. It's Blixarves and Stanley. So it's not the easiest of three weeks probably before Gorn returns. But what, what do you think would make it? Let's talk AFL fantasy for a moment. Yeah. What would make it worthwhile for you to go, I feel it's value, not just valuable, it's the right play to trade into Jackson because he's 537K. You are making mm. money from Bruce. You are making money from English. You are making money from Butters. These are probably the three ways people are going to him. What do you need to see over these next three weeks, assuming Gorn misses, to feel that the trade is worthwhile as the minimum, not the he goes mm. 100 yeah, I think an average of you know seventy five to eighty is is both realistic and would be um, you know doing what he's there for at that price um, with the with the hope that he can pop a, a ton in that time because he will mm. be able to um, if um, but the, look they don't have any backup. I know Magic Door was talked about as a potential to come in. Um, but that hasn't happened. He's unfortunately injured. No, he's out it was for a, a good while opportunity too. for him. Yep. So I just look. Luke Jackson is someone that um, preseason this year there was lots of words and whispers that he might um, impact Gorn and he might start to push Gorn out. Yeah. Uh, had a few of us jumping at shadows, potentially not starting with Gorn. Yep, um, I wasn't too convinced of that myself, despite his big final series, uh, Jackson. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I thought that was probably more for the future. I just see this as a block of time. Such a great opportunity for this guy. There's uh, some very uh, big dollars being reportedly talked about with this kid. Yes, there is. Interstate offers. Um, What a better way for this guy to show the world what he's got uh, than these next three to four weeks. Um, Yeah, I don't think he's going to do what Darcy Cameron did. 
in terms yep. of scoring. And yeah, and, I think that's know, unrealistic to expect. Be pleasantly you, surprised, but don't expect it. Yeah. If you picked Darcy Cameron when Grundy went down, that's one of the trades of the year. Like, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen again. Um, but again, Jackson has the forward status. So if it's a flop, he could sit at uh, F6 for a yep. period of time and then Gorn comes back, you can move him on. Um, yeah, look, it's risky. I'm looking at it just because I'm facing a zero and uh, I don't like zeros. But um, no. I think ultimately MJ out of the rucks Realistically, the best option this week is Darcy Cameron, even at his price. For points, that's a scary um, place to be, isn't it? Like the matchups yeah. right, the DPP's right. There's a few more games mm. of of goodness we can get out of him. Definitely, I think it's there because you know we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I think even Kane and I addressed it last week on the episode, which was there's every chance that your F six is going to be better than your R two. Maybe not so much yeah. in Supercoach where where there's some weighting that comes to hitouts to advantage and things of that nature. but And because of that, you're more likely to now view Tim English as a ruckman, mm. not a forward. And now you're looking at Tom Liberatore's, dare I say it, the Mitch Duncans, the Tim Tarantos, uh, mm. the Toby Greens, the, you know, these guys that you go, yeah, they're going to be my F6 and mm. they're going to be better than my R2. I think, you know, Jackson's going at, again, this is purely RFL fantasy we're focusing on at the moment. He's going at 70 for the year so far. I think you need a minimum of 80. But if it's the difference between a donut, if that's all you can get up to, or if getting to him enables you to get a stronger premium on field because you're trading Pruce and Butters out and you can compromise on one to be able to get up to the Bontempelli, for example, then it's now about the combination of points that you're going to get, not just the one-off. So so for me, I, I see it. The opportunity is there. Um, you're right. All of the elements are there for him to, to make it his moment. For me in the limited trades, I'm not a huge fan of it, purely just because if he's my F6 for the year, Yuck. Uh, I don't really like it, knowing that he'll probably resort back to what he's been pre-Gorn's absence. And, and I don't want that. If you're going, I'm actually trading him to push to F7 and open up DPP, and you're in that position, okay, if that's your strategy, that's fine. But if the strategy is you need him on field beyond the next two to three weeks, then I, I would seriously be prepared to cop a donut. Because I think I'm prepared to cop a donut because if you can go and not just look at one week, over five weeks, can you make your team better? And the 60 or 80 points you might miss this week, say you're missing a rookie, can you make up those 80 points with trades and premiums over the next three weeks? Because if you can, well, that's the difference right there. For example, if you traded in Mitch Duncan over Luke Parker six weeks ago, you're already a couple of hundred points better by going Luke Parker. And and so this is what happens over the year. And, and I think there's some Patreon questions that are similar nature of, do you settle for a guy when you could get this guy in a week? You know, those are, are the balancing acts through there. Look, talk to me about Tim English before we move on to the teams. What's your initial reaction? Won't play this week. He's right on the, on the knocker of next week. There is a bit of forecasting and guesswork. But if you had Tim English, regardless of the format, are you trade at all costs? 
or you build around it and hope for the best? Um, the initial thought is to hold. Um, yep. I, I think whether it's one week or two, I am leaning towards one week. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly no doctor, but just from yeah. the, the incident itself, it was a delayed concussion. Um, he enters the protocol. It feels very precautionary. I mean, he played out the game and he was fantastic. He was brilliant, um, as he has been all year. Yeah. So the instinct is it's one week, it's a hold. Um, but, it, you know, it's very dependent on, you know, if you're chasing rankings and you're in contention, um, I think you move him on. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, it might be a case of, MJ, you have to hold. You might already have Gorn and Bruce and Butters and you might actually not have a choice. Yeah. So if you're forced to hold English, I do um, hold uh, optimism that, yeah, it will be just the one. Yep. No, it, it's a fascinating one. I feel like regardless of what people do in this spot, it is going to define seasons a, a little bit, what people do, and, and that's where luck becomes a factor. Like people that traded into Proust last week, the, everything was screaming. We know English is a good guy to score against. He was solo ruck. He was value still. Gets injured after starting. So that's where the element of luck comes into this game. You need skill to get into contention and luck to go your way to finally succeed. I'm probably of the belief, again, it depends on the format you play, where you're ranking, what trade elements you still need to do to get your team where you'd like to, and what ultimately your focus is and how risk-averse you are. For me, I'd be seriously considering trading him if it means you can get more points on field this week and you can still look to get him in in a week or two. So you might be able to get aggressive and go, I'm losing English for one week with the trades I make, and he'll actually become the last forward or ruck upgrade I need next week with the trades I make. And so you're kind of losing um, nothing. You're just changing the way you look at your team. And so, you know, for me, for an example, I'm trading out English this week over another one of those two absentee players that we've talked about before, because I'm going, I can get better points on field I can maximize cash and next week I can see a downgrade that will enable some extra cash to free up the upgrade I want. I, I want to maximize those points. Now, again, all depends on those caveats, all depends on those variables. Um, but but for me, I'm probably leaning more to the trade than the whole, but I think you're right. Those are the elements to go through. Before ask we me, Ask me no. what, what I think about whether you trade Proust or not and you'll get Ooh. a much simpler answer. Okay, Bruce, what do you do? Get out. Okay. Trade him. <laughs> that sounds like someone that's been hurt before. He's a troublemaker, that Brucey. He's only going <laughs> to hurt you again. I mean, the thing with Bruce is, yeah, it's a one-week suspension. Yeah, it's potentially a one-week ankle. But my goodness, we've seen weeks where he's been raring to go and he's been in an emergency. So He's yeah. the gift that's been given to coaches every you, single week. You know, MJ, I've been talking to you about it all year. There's just There's always something with this guy and he... He pulled off the ultimate. He pulled off the double on the weekend, the injury and yeah. the suspension. I mean, this he's found a way for us to be on the podcast every week, hasn't he? Like every he's, week, he's found a way to get on. He's been suspended three times. That's like he's channeling his inner Cameron Mooney, circa. Yeah, suspended three times, uh, missed game through injury or sickness. What two games, mm. and then everything else he's done, brilliant. Uh, it, well, that's, the, that's the <laughs> ultimate tease, MJ, is that when yeah. he's on the park, he hasn't gone under, what, 90-odd? He's, um, he's been a yeah. – he's probably one of the best rucks for the year, the, right the problem at, is. 
They'll write a movie about this season from Braden Bruce one day. Oh. It has had that many twists and turns. Anyway, he's going to define your year, isn't he? No, I agree. He's going to define mm. your season. All right, man. Let, let's yep. go team by team before we get to some of our Patreon questions um, to see some players that we should talk about a fantasy note that have come off the buy, and whether or not you can view them. I want to give you four Brisbane lines that I can think are worth talking about, and then I'm keen on your take. If there's any others you want to throw in the mix for me. During the preseason, I put Lockie Neal as the number two most relevant player in my 50 most relevant. And arguably, he's probably had a better football season, maybe not fantasy season, but football season than his Brownlow year. Currently, um, he's one of the most highly owned players across the formats, ranked second in AFL fantasy and dream team for total points, first in super coach. If you don't have him by now, I think, why, one, why, but two, You've got to keep going against him now. The damage has been done. The value is gone. You've got to keep going against him. Uh, Dane Zorko has already been confirmed to miss this week. And even if and when he does get back next week, he's been so volatile to own this year. You don't want to get on that. Humor cluggage. He's near enough, but not quite enough. A, a premium for us. And so for me, I think there are better options, cheaper and incomparable price to him. But I want to talk, I want to get your take on Daniel Rich. Uh, Last year, I think he was the number one super coach total points defender available to us. Uh, if we look at where he's ranked at right now, he's ranked, I think, 15th by defenders in super coach and 10th for total points. I think that's probably his preferred format. Posted a you know half a dozen tons or so across the formats. He feels a little there, but not quite as a top line defender. What's your take on Daniel Rich if he's a trade option? Yeah, I think he's a big trade option. I really like Rich. Um, you know, you cast your mind back to last year and the back half particularly, he uh, he had a huge finish to the year. He's cheap across the formats um, because he did score, uh, well, in DT and Fantasy, he did score a very uh, disturbing 37 just a few weeks ago. But yep. he copped a hard tag that game. and He did? Um, I, I don't know. I just, I think Brisbane side is, chock full of taggable players and Rich is extremely damaging from halfback, don't get me wrong, but I, I just can't see um, I can't see him scoring like that again for the rest of the year. Um, and then beyond that, you know, the, apart from that very, very bad 37 in Dream Team and Fantasy the other week, he's um, he's been okay without setting the world on fire. I can just see him really running home strong and he's priced at a really nice... Um, nice area if you wanted something different and you're on a budget in the back line um i think rich is a, a definite play I, th- I think that's the key isn't it like in super coach he's like he doesn't quite have the frequency of hundreds of last year doesn't quite have the monopoly of ball um doesn't quite have the ceiling of last year and he's not he's in that like i said that weird spot where he's not a value buy in super coach as much as he might be in the other formats He's not a ceiling top tier guy. And in that format, he's got 9% ownership. So while that sounds unique, it's not super unique. Um, So for me, that's the case. And then if someone said in Dream Team and Fantasy, I'm going rich, I go, oh, yeah, okay. But for like 100K less, you can get Salem in AFL Fantasy, who's like a comparable probably scoring sort of guy. And so that's where for me I go, yeah, I probably like others. But to your point, he's got the ability to be an option. 
And if you go, I, I, I want to zag where others are zigging, okay, knock yourself out. Um, but that's got to be the narrative around him. Um, you've already talked about one of these Collingwood players. Before I do, is there any other lines you want to highlight? No, I didn't. I didn't have many. Probably just more to touch on what you said about Neil. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't start with him across the format. I actually didn't think he was going to do this, Lockie Neil. I mm. thought the 2020 was a bit of a, a unicorn year, um, if yep. you will, from from the um, the higher, um, sorry, the smaller minutes of those games that year. Sure. Um, but no, I've got him safely tucked away in all, all my sides now. But you're right, now it's not the time to jump on someone like that. Yeah, I agree. Look, there are three Collingwood guys that are probably worth talking about. One you've already alluded to, which is Darcy Cameron. It does feel a little bit, Dirty to trade into him now, but definitely has the best ruck fixture this week. I, I I think that's a fair shout, but we are just weeks away from Grundy. Cox has surprisingly looked good um, mm. in the past couple of weeks. So I, there, there's an element of hesitation in my voice to trade into him, but I could certainly see why the attraction's if, there. If we if we didn't have um, every other ruck almost in the game falling down around us, you wouldn't yeah. jump on Cameron. I think... Um, with Grundy's return, I, I actually don't think Cameron's going to uh, score significantly less. I think he's still going to be okay. He is, um, he's flying at the minute, but he's going to score less than what he's priced at now. So Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? But up. again, if if you can, depends on the format, depends on the strategy, depends on the trades, all those, that's where we gave that caveat right at the start um, through there. I think Jack Crisp is just one of the most reliable defenders uh, going around, it's not cheap, uh, but he's probably going to deliver exactly for you what you need. It's not a unique move. It's not going to separate you. But if he's, you know, we talked about this with Sam Doherty a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Yep, you're just trading so he doesn't hurt you anymore. It's a purely defensive trade. Uh, the ceiling, yeah, maybe you can go a bit more aggressive and go and get a Salem. There's a North Melbourne player that I want to talk about that I think people have forgotten about in the back line. We want to get to him. Maybe it's a Whitfield, whoever it is. Maybe you can get some ceiling against him, but in terms of consistency, no one can beat. And it, it's probably more a legacy mention than anything else, but Scott Pendlebury is defensive eligible. He's solid. He's perfectly fine. Um, I, I, maybe the Dugowie absence, which probably will be for a while, uh, is safe to say, might just even further enhance his role and responsibility in the midfield. That's got to be the narrative. Uh, what's your take on either any of those pies or some others you want to throw into the mix? You did mention one, and I don't think any player has ever been mentioned more than this week in Jordan Dugowie, and we're not going to go into those reasons. But uh, it does sound a bit counterintuitive to, to talk about a Dugowie in the fantasy world because he is missing this week, and look, we're not sure what happens beyond this week. But if he comes yep. back next week, he is one to watch. Um, he's obviously cheap. He hasn't really hit the heights of late last year. But he will be playing for a contract. He will be playing to prove a point um, to any potential suitors. Um, and he's a super footballer when he is not being bogged down by the other stuff. So there's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes. Yep. But if he's named next week... I'll be having a bit of a look at him. Yep, fair enough. Understand that. Uh, let's talk about the Fremantle Footy Club. There's a couple of options I want to roll through. Luke Ryan's super coach. 
probably mm. the real format to consider. He's ranked eighth at the moment for defenders, um, especially over the past three weeks. He's been going at 114 in Supercoach and he's ranked fifth at the moment in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team Defenders over the last three, going at 106. Uh, I, I think the challenge is that's kind of the lid of, of what he can be and it's more likely the hot streak of Ryan rather than a normative Ryan. Um, but again, very, if you... Very up like, and down. Very, very much so. Supercoach is more his game. Uh, so if you want something a little different to the crowd... Okay, sure, maybe that's the way to go. Um, not super value, but if you're looking for a separation, I get that. There's plenty of love in the preseason for Caleb Sarong. That was because last he ended last year flying. Like he averaged 117 in the final three last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team um, and really, really dominated. Pretty similar scores in Supercoach. However, this early season injury, missed a few games. However, in his past six, he's gone at 102 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 109 in Supercoach. He's not really value anymore, but he's certainly unique. Probably couldn't do it. I I, I don't I like other options that are around him or cheaper, but he's a name. The one everyone probably wants to talk about really is Andrew Brayshaw, isn't it? He's the number one scoring player in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for averages and points. Supercoach, he's ranked 12th for averages, 9th for points. By three-game stretch, he's still dominating the game across the format. I'm keen on your take, but my only flag, Jordox, is the Docs have had it, from a fixturing perspective, relatively friendly, and their next month is a little harder. And by that, I mean it's Carlton, Port Adelaide, St Kilda, and Sydney. And all four of these teams have shown tendencies this year, to use a stop on a player. Maybe not a hard tagger, but use a stopper. Like a Hewitt on him this week would not shock me at all. A Willem Drew type would not shock me on him whatsoever. A Robotten type. These are guys that actually would match up quite reasonably well on him too um, at stoppage. So that's the only flag for me. Uh, I think it might just clip his ceiling more so than drastically impact him but what's your take if you've missed him you're paying big bucks for him does he need to keep flying for you to go home or or do you want to be a bit more defensive and lock him in yeah i think you you nailed it before talking about you know any taggers or coolers whatever you want to call them um merely clipping his ceiling i i think he's still an absolute target um for the back half a year i think it's down to him and probably clayton oliver as the number one in, in the fantasy and dream team format. Um, you know, if you didn't have either of them, I'd lean towards Oliver because of the obvious tagging opportunities for Petrarca. Um, it, it's an interesting one because him and Oliver too, um, yeah, there is this urge to get on because he is just, you know, they're killing it. But all it takes is a low ton, just mm. a low ton, which owners wouldn't even complain about. Um, and that price can start to just drop a little. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to just wait and get them a little bit cheaper. But um, time's running out, MJ, for the season. Um, well, that's true. And again, want- it gets to the point, uh, uh, we've said it a few times on this episode, let alone previous, what's your priority? What's your focus? Is it leagues or is it rankings? And if it's rankings, chances are teams that have had a good year have him in the rankings mm. games. Leagues, you you know, so at some point you're going to need to take certain players on. 
and mm. the value of a trade, the value of the cash generation, and all these elements start to come into the mix. And if someone said to me, Andrew Brayshaw goes 110 in AFL fantasy from now to the end of the year, I'd go, sounds about right. He goes about 115 in Supercoach from now to the end of the year. So that sound about right? Sounds about right. Okay. Zach Merritt, just picking a name out of the hat. What does he do in AFL fantasy? 107. Okay. Well, he's only three points per game off, but he's 100 plus K cheaper. Well, it's a no-brainer. This is where these elements all, all start to factor in. There's an element of forecast. You've got to map out your plans and your trades. So f- for me, I-, I think with Andrew Brayshaw, if you can get to him at some point, he probably won't disappoint you. But I think if you can snag him a little bit later down the line, either as a defensive move or you get him cheaper off the back of some cooled games, so be it. I, I don't think there's much more ceiling uh, that you can really chase out of him. Two Hawks. Uh, that I want to talk about. One, we can breeze over quickly. In fact, both of them we probably can. And then if you've got any more, you can feel free to throw them in for me. Tom Mitchell, I know people see the price, but he's going 30 points per game less in Supercoach this year than last year. He's going 20 points per game less in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. The dependency on the style of game that helped him be such a beast is not what Sam Mitchell wants. There's been some fluctuation of CBAs. Some of the kids are starting to roll back in. We should see Ward soon. McDonald should be back soon. Long hasn't had an opportunity. We should see him soon. Mitchell's clearly declared his hand. Even cheap. I don't know about you, but we love Titch. But unless they go for the playing for trade value in the last month of the year, I, I just couldn't go near him. What's your take? Yeah, I. if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I probably would have had a different tune because uh, he did hit that bit of form and was starting to score the tons in Dream Team and Fantasy anyway, albeit without the um, without the ceilings that we've known in the past. I, I, I just... I don't even think the price is there for him. Um, yeah. He'd need to be a lot cheaper to jump on at this point of the season. Um, look, he's a ball magnet. He will. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You could you could put him on in the crowd. He'd still rack up twenty five odd. The issue with Mitchell right now is he's not getting the tackle numbers. He's not getting the marks. Those beautiful plus sixes he used to take all over the field. That's right. Um, so he, he's playing enough midfield time, I think, to still be in our conversations. But it's the game style more to the point. He's just not getting those those cheap, you know, not, not degrading him here. But no, no, those, not at all. Those accumulators, um, they really make those stats with the cheap plus sixes. Um, yeah. And I hate to say it, but no, I don't. I, I think it's. I think it's all over for Mitchell. And yep. um, yeah, at least for this quite. year, anyway. And at this at this point Who in knows? time, the club he could be he could be moved on in the off season to a yeah, contender. Well. And he'll be on ball and he'll be a bargain. But yep, anyway. exactly right. 2023 watch potentially for us. Yeah, the other is James yeah. Sicily. I think we could probably put him in the similar category of of Lockie Neal, which is super value, highly owned, probably outperformed most people's hopes and expectations. The value's gone. The uniqueness is gone. The damage is done. I, I couldn't trade into him at this price point. Um, I'd be looking to go elsewhere. I think when the damage is done this far, you're just compounding the poor decision you made because now you've missed 
the scores and the value. Um, is there any other hawk for you that you think's worth highlighting through there? No, nah, probably just picking up on the on the Sicily um, conversation. Super coach, bit different, but but in dream team in fantasy, I mean, I I think he's been uh, well, he's been brilliant for what we paid, and he's yeah. been a credit to Hawthorne and coming back from that. But in terms of ceiling and scores, I, I'm I'm not even convinced he's a top six from here till the end in dream team. There are some others. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be looking at jumping on Sicily at this point. I'd be yep. very happy to take him on. I'm a happy owner, but I, I wouldn't be jumping on. Absolutely, um, yeah. You're not tra- jumping off if you're an owner, probably, at this mm. point. Um, but uh, definitely, I think that's fair. Uh, I got four demons that's probably worth highlighting. One of them we spent a fair bit of time talking about is Luke Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I see all the reasons why. But for me, and maybe it's more the uniqueness of where the sides I own and looking at, I can't mm. go into it. But I see why people want it to it be feels true. Like a, it feels like an AF play out of the... I think, the I think it is an yeah. AF play that yeah. it's the best. But again, if it's the best you can get to, you're planning to push him to F7, he's going to open up some DPP links. You've got some plans in place. That's fine. But if it's just the he's the best I can get to and he saves me a donut, I never like that thought uh, in a limited trade formats because with people getting down to not just low double digits, people are after this week genuinely in single digits. And if they're not, they've been needing oh, any, to make some aggressive trading. Uh, anyone, you, anyone you bring in at this point in those comps, they're, they're single yeah. digits. So yeah. we're seeing this year more than ever before. We're having to make maneuvers for so many variety of reasons. Um, you're now making trades into players that you've got to be prepared to hold for the year. So that's the only caveat I'll say about Luke Jackson. Uh, for defender, uh, if you're looking for some value in the back line, I've already alluded to Christian Salem. Round one, sub-affected single-digit score. Um, has obviously affected his average, but since coming back, 91-94 in AF and DT, while going 83 and 104 Supercoach. So that those are kind of reflective of his averages of what he did in 2021, where he's gone low 90s. I think the premier format to pick him is AFL Fantasy, and that's due to the weekly price adjustment cycle. That's where he's drastically fallen in value, contrast to where he's only had the one so far in DT and Supercoach. Already dropped 124k there. He's 15k more expensive than Nick Dacos. So if you've got minimal money. And it's a day cost v Salem. Now you probably don't have the luxury of this move this week. I'd back in Salem over day costs for for the final eight to ten weeks of the year. He's he's probably the best value defender that's going to go about ninety for the rest of the year. AF feels like the right play to go him now more than anywhere else, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Salem. I I do wonder if there's any ceiling to him in, yeah. in the current role, the and way that, that back six is. Um, but, geez, as a plug-and-play for the next month, you know, to, to ride out the year, he is cheap. Well, and that's the thing. Speaking you know, of, mid-600s, you're almost going, yeah. man, I'll take 90s and a, and a low mm. 105 couple of games. I'll, I'll take that as ceiling uh, when you can potentially save a, a fair bit through there. The other two demons we've got to talk about, it's Clary and CP5. Again, mm. back at the start of the year in the 50 most relevant, I said something to the uh, to the version of Clayton Oliver, which is start him and reap the benefit of him because he rarely gives you a bad game. 
and he rarely misses a game, and he's a genuine VCC most weeks across the formats. And those that have had him for big chunks of the year know exactly that. Just one score under 99 in Supercoach all year, one score under 91 all year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And for the second, maybe even third year in a row, he's kind of got rid of the AFL Fantasy crowd that have knocked him for a lack of ceiling, where he's gone eight games over 110, including that season-high 151. So trading into Oliver is zero value, but maybe just peace of mind for just, if you're sick of your premiums not delivering, it's not value at all, but I get it. The one that baffled me last week was seeing Christian Petrarca as one of the most heavily traded out players across some formats. Absolutely mind-numbing to me. In his last three, he's gone 74 in Supercoach, 72 in AFL Fantasy. Yep, rookie numbers, guaranteed. But before that, he was going 116 in Supercoach and 111 in AFL Fantasy. So whenever a premium has a bad couple of games, you've always got to ask yourself one simple question. And it's a question every two-year-old asks. What's the question, (laughs) Jordox? Why? Yeah, you're getting it every day in life at the moment as a dad to some very, very young kids. Mine are heading to teenage territory, um, so most of mine are. Why are you so uncool? But anyway, that's projecting my own life problems. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, as they get older, it's probably why not. Yeah, that's true. It's why not or or stuff you um, is the phrase. But let's look at those three weeks. What happened to those three scores? One, it came out that press conference, Simon Goodwood said, look, he was ill and it was a 50-50 line ball decision. We probably shouldn't have played him, but he played. The next week after that, still clearly suffering from that illness. So that leads us to two of the three. Let's put them down to sickness. And he's not the first or last or only player that flu or COVID returns have impacted their performance. Not that he had COVID, but flu-like symptoms impacted his performance. Let's look at the Queen's birthday game. 32 touches, 99 in Supercoach, 86 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. That's not a disaster. That's, That's just not a disaster. So for me, CP5 is crazy value right now crazy value you could probably afford to wait a week it's not unique but crazy value for me so i'm a big trade-in call for him uh any other any of those demons you want to make a comment on or, or suggest another um no i think i think you've covered them and and Petraka, I, I completely agree um we've seen a trend this year with whether it be COVID or non-covid illness uh, where a player will either miss or play and, and not play well, and then we will see that linger for a few weeks. Um, you know, you just have to look at Petraka's numbers. You you know, you referenced how many touches he had, but his tackles have really dropped. He's not kicking goals. Um, I think there's a bit of a coincidence. He's, he's had his three worst games, you know, well, just about of the year. Melbourne have just lost their three only games of the year. So, yeah, I, I think we all feel Melbourne are going to, bounce back, whether it's this round or next, they're not going to drop right off. Um, and Petrak is going to be a reason for why they bounce back. The tag is the issue, but at that price, you can take that chance. So um, just go and look at some of his scores at the start of the year. He's got feeling. Um, yeah, so it's a great question, Oliver versus Petraka. Um, I think you just can't go past the value of, of Petraka. Oh, I think you're spot on that with that one, man. They're both as popular as each other across formats, some more than others. When in doubt, take the value, 100%. Or better yet, get them both. 
Oh, back, I've got them both in formats, and, and, and for yeah. the most part, you sleep very easy at night as a fantasy coach. All right, let's talk about North yeah. Melbourne before we hit some Patreon questions. Yeah. We've already talked a little bit about Todd Goldstein, so I feel like we've yeah. kind of covered him. You talked about yeah. it, brought him up nicely the, as an just option. Just the forward status is the only thing to talk about with Goldie that makes him relevant. Yeah, um, and super know, coach for me too. Yeah, yeah, Sherry's back in the squad, but you know, Goldstein's still the big fella. And another guy who could very well be at another club next year. So he's going to want to remind the footy world what he's got. Um, yep, that's a good shout. Yeah. Uh, yep. You're probably leaping in blind faith at this next name, but Jai Simpkin, and the blind mm. faith you're leaping in is he did it last year, so I'm going again. That's the only narrative you can tell yourself. Um, I'm all for taking leaps of faith. For over a decade, I was a pastor, so I'm clearly quite comfortable with telling people to take some faith into their life, but this feels like there's nothing of substance there uh, to jump into, Uh, so you'd need to see something before you jump. I don't know if I could take that leap. Two names I do want to... Sorry, were you going to say something here? I was just agreeing with Simpkin, but if if you want to have that leap and you want to have a go, you know, a Hawthorne player, John Newcomb, is a similar price and I think could do you know, very nicely in the run home. So I'd have him ahead of Simpkin. Yep, fair enough too. Last two guys I want to throw in there, Jed Anderson, very much the ultimate risk-reward forward to look at. There's about a 100-point deviation between his best and his worst this year. Now, part of that, again, is getting acclimatised to AFL football. But at just over 460K in Supercoach and 740 in AFL Fantasy, if you can't get up to the big dogs... I think he's got the capacity to be close enough to them. I don't know if he can match it with the Torantos, the Parkers, the Bontempellis, the English, the Dunkley. But can he be five points per game off him? Yeah, I think he could. So there's definite value there potentially. The one I think people are really fading on and sleeping on is Aaron Hall. He was the must-have premium last year. Uh, across our lines. And he started the first four weeks of this year going at 99.5 in AFL Fantasy and a 105 in Supercoach before injuries hit. Uh, He's back off injury round 13. Solid showed some of his trademark dash and uh, aggressive ball movement, to say the least, which sometimes works for him, sometimes doesn't. But boy, that ball's going to spend a lot of time in the ruse back line, regardless of almost who they play. And... Unless you think that the Roos are abandoning him in the back line and continuing to blood kids, he should get every opportunity. So for me, I, I really like Hall as a unique high ceiling because on, on a stretch of eight games, head-to-head against almost anyone, probably outside Sam Doherty, there's a case that Hall could match that defender. So I, I think he's a genuine option, but risky given his body's already failed him a couple of times this year. I agree on, yeah, I think all those points. With with Hall, it's, yeah, I'd like to wait because that price um, could drop even further, maybe that's have true. one more look at him. The other thing that's interesting compared to last year is he's not sharing that, that uh, you know, again, not trying to be degrading, but that cushy sort of plus six role down back uh, he was sharing with Evil last year, um, and they both did a great, great job at it, certainly in the fantasy world. Uh, this year, yeah, I, I really like what they've done with Bailey Scott. He was sort of the guy that had a real big spike when Hall was out. Um, so I think they'd be hesitant to shove him right out of the way for Hall in this run-in. 
Um, but certainly, if you look at all the players in the comp and price versus potential, you know, with the evidence of just 12 months ago, Aaron Hall is one that sticks out absolutely. And and on Jed Anderson as well, um, yeah, I, I reckon he's a pretty interesting pick. I, you know, he'll have a nice game this week, potentially against our Crow boys. Um, but anyone that could tackle like that with a ceiling like that, um, he could be a real difference maker on the run home as a unique option. He had a, a, a not a great game the week after that massive game he had, but I think crucially the role is there. He's around the ball. Um, yeah, I, I like Jared Anderson. I think it's, um, you know, it's, if you're on a budget, that, that is someone definitely you could look at. All right, there we go. All right, let's hit quickly to our Patreon questions before we look to wrap up the episode. Uh, I'll throw this one over to you, man. James wants to know, I'm pondering bringing in Goldstein in Supercoach. He's currently projected to beat his opponent, although his goal is rank. Uh, is getting Goldstein now the best play? He'd be moving out Martin and Greg Clark for Goldie and for Cl- Jay Clark of the Richmond variety. Of course, that's assuming he gets named of old Juddy, which leaves him seven trades and McCartan as the last spot to fill. He's got Wits, English, and Tickle as the rucks, so he'll move English forward. I feel like he's answered the question for you. Yeah, no, that, that mate, that like that's sound reasoning. You know, he's got all bases covered. He's, he's, um, he's let us know what rucks he's got, how many trades left, what his motivations are. Um, I think Goldie's a play. I think go for it. It sounds like you've got it all sorted out. Back yourself in. Yep, fair enough. Uh, Ian wants to know, in Dream Team, I have the option of keeping one of Proust and Gorn. Which one would you keep or who should I get rid of? He's already got Cameron and English already. For me, I'd say to Ian, one of those, you're not going to move both of them on. So the one you're moving on, you've got two lines of thought. You move on the one that is most likely to become the one that you want to get rid of. And so you make the trade. The other play is you move on the one that's going to give you the most value for money and get you the most points on ground. For me, I'd be getting rid of Proust ahead of Gorn at this stage um, just purely because you're, you've already committed to Gorn. The, the fact you didn't move him after last week tells me you're committed to him. So you probably have kind of stuck your neck out there a little bit. And the tricky thing with when, well, one of the things you look at with these two when you're comparing two guys that are out, who's out for longer? So we know right now on paper, Gorn is out for longer. That's but true. we've seen with Proust, there's no guarantee <laughs> that he ain't going to be out longer. And I don't want to go on again about it, but absolutely, I agree. Keep He'll Gorn. give you a reason to talk about him, that's for sure. All right, Stephen's got an AFL fantasy question for you. He's intending to trade into Doherty, or does he go with Jack Geordie uh, Dawson instead? Either choice leaves him with the cash he needs for the trades over the next few weeks. That's obviously on the premise of no carnage. So really, I think Stephen's asking the question, who scores more over the next few months, Doherty or Dawson? Yeah, well, look, I I love Geordie Dawson. He's got a great name. Um, (laughs) But look, when you're tossing up between two guys like that, I look at ceiling, which Doherty's shown us this year over Dawson, and I look Mm -hmm. at um, the, the team and Adelaide, they're struggling. So yes, Dawson's getting a lot of it now. Um... But no, I'd be going Doherty on that one for sure. He is going. Uh, he is going great guns. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. And, and crucially, what he said. Sorry, just crucially. Yeah. Um, the cash that he saves 
doesn't really impact. He can already do what he wants to do. Yep. So you're in a great spot, mate. Get the best, and that's Doherty. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Brendan wants to know, uh, what's the best approach for looping premiums in Dream Team Supercoach? Is it to try to loop those who play earliest in the round or those with the toughest matchups? My answer for that, Brendan, is both. It's all about both, and each week has a unique set of variances for you in there, but you want options available. What I will say is you want options available now that the final fixture rounds are known. Um you want to have options available to you. So if you've got a, a, a floating donut, whether it be at R3 or elsewhere, that's enabling opportunities or M9 or your utility position AFL Fantasy, you want to have guys that you know are going to have Sunday afternoon games to open up the opportunity to do those things. So I think, I know it doesn't help answer you, Brendan, but you need both because if you've only got one, you're, you're going to snooker yourself. I think the other thing too, it's actually not really dictated by the guy you want to vice. It's dictated by the donut that you're using and when they're playing. Um, double check, triple check the day that that player is playing. And also um, that, that'll that tell you what you can do. So the buy rounds were fun, weren't they? Because it yeah. was, you can loop someone on a Sunday one o'clock game if you want and still capture the Sunday twilight. That is a luxury we do not have. And, yeah, you're going to be dictated by when your donut plays. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Last question when you want to throw it out there. It's from Sriram. He says, in Dream Team, do we settle for the almost there type of premium, as you Salem as the example, or use the extra t- trade to sell a fattened cow to get to the top, e.g. Doherty? He's asking the question of what's the value of a trade, which we've kind of talked a little bit about the elements in and around it um for me you know carnage is going to come you know you're going to need that trade at some point um and if the gap is only 10 to 20 points per game from now that's maybe let's say that's 150 points salem and doherty is the gap in dream team rounding can you make that trade work for you for over 150 points you're projecting and forecasting, which is you'll never truly know the answer. Um, but it also depends how risk-averse you are. If you're in contention, if you're in the top 10, you're having a genuine crack, you go for it. You absolutely go for it and hope for a little bit of luck to go your way. Because if you hold, you, you might miss your opportunity. As good as you might be as a coach, when you're in the, when you're in the window, go all in. Would, would be my advice to you. Um, but some people are a bit more risk-averse and, and like to save, so that's it. Hey, we've we got to wrap up this episode, Jordox, mate. You've been an absolute beast, mate. As always, appreciate you jumping on this episode, buddy. Great to be on. Uh, if you want to go and check out any of the articles, uh, we've dropped some this week for you at coachespanel.tv. We wish you a very good week. We hope Thursday night game goes well for you. I hope teams are kind for you. And from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, we wish you well, and we'll chat to you next week.